0: Good morning. It's really nice to see uh, new and familiar faces as well. Welcome back, Mitch. Good morning, Caitlin. Caitlin? Caitlin. Caitlin comes to us from San Francisco. It's going to be staying with us just like David. Welcome, David. Hi, Yeshwan. Hi, I haven't seen you for a bit. Today is uh, Earth Day. Well, it's as close to Earth Day, to the celebration of Earth Day as we can get. I think it was the 22nd, officially. But we weren't together on the 22nd, so we're going to celebrate it today. But especially in the springtime, I think, we celebrate it every day. Especially now, when it feels like the earth, like life, is coming back. It never left. Even in winter, of course. Those fabulous, soft, vibrant, delicate, green leaves were there, even in the winter. And as you pass by each block, every little patch of earth that can have flowers in it has these lovely, right now they're mostly tulips and daffodils, right? Turning themselves, right, to the sun. You can feel the birds are back, right? You walk in the park and there are birds different sounds of birds, different bird sounds. And the wind has changed. It doesn't have that sharp winter bite
1: anymore. You can feel the sun on your skin every day. It's a celebration of birthday.
0: In Africa, uh, there are a group of children playing, and there was an American who came there and wanted to have fun with them. So he filled a basket full of fruit and sugar treats, and he put it a ways away under a tree. And he told them, he said, if you run real fast, one of you can run and get the basket with all the treats in it. So the kids were really excited. So, But then what they did, which was something unexpected, they all joined hands and then all together ran toward the basket. And all together, they had the basket, they took it, they all sat down in a circle, they extended their feet, their legs, so all of their feet, met in a circle, and then they distributed the treats.
1: And the guy later
0: asked one of the kids, why did you do that? And the kid said, umbuntu,
1: umbuntu.
0: I am Because we are. I am because we are. So I wanted to share with you this morning a very large I am because we are. I want to share with you six stories about the earth. It starts with the sun. at the rate of 186,000 miles a second it takes light 115,000 years to cross our galaxy there are 125 billion galaxies in our universe. There are 300 billion stars in our galaxy. Has your mind dropped away? (laughs) Good. We are nothing and we are everything at the same time. Keep listening. The earth rotates around one of those stars. More energy hits the sun, hits the earth, more energy from the sun hits the earth in one hour than we use all year. During the hot season, off the coast of Africa, near the Cape Verde Islands, it's the hot season of the year, and water the water is reaching the temperature of 80 degrees the ocean water. And when ocean water reaches a temperature of 80 degrees, it begins to evaporate. Hot, evaporating air rises, and it forms clouds. These clouds are 10 miles high. They rise, 10 miles extend 10 miles high into the air. The water vapor brings with it the energy of the sun. As it's rising, the earth is turning. And as the earth turns, the clouds begin to rotate. As the clouds begin to rotate, there continue to be hot towers, they're called. Hot towers of water vapor, energizing, continuing to energize, these now swirling clouds, which cross the ocean 200 miles an hour now, the air <laughs> is rotating. This is the birth of a hurricane. Five days later, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans in the Gulf. Energy from the sun, water vaporizing, air, weather happening. All weather is interconnected like this. It is one way the energy of the sun moves throughout the earth. Water vapor, ocean, rain, and sun powers the weather. All over the world. There's another cycle. And by the way, the reason we know about these cycles is because we have satellites now, away from the earth, that can look at the earth from a distance. So we're beginning to see the interconnectedness of all of fire, heat, water, wind, rock, magma, earth. We're, we're beginning to see, in a very real way, how it's all connected. How it's all connected and supports life. The, the complexity of life that we have on earth. The second cycle is extreme cold. Antarctica, I was going to say at the bottom of the earth, but Where's the bottom, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't know where the bottom is. Antarctica, at the bottom of the Earth, is the coldest place on the Earth. It's 40 degrees colder than the Arctic. How does it get to be 40 degrees colder? How does that happen? Why there is it 40 degrees colder? Well, curiously, Antarctica is not connected with any other landmass. Unlike Antarctic, the Arctic, that's connected to Canada and Russia right? and Greenland, right? Antarctica sits alone at the bottom. And when the warm air from the equator meets the cold air of Antarctica, it begins to swirl. And because Antarctica is not connected, there is nothing, and the Earth is rotating, there is nothing that stops the air from swirling around the continent of Antarctica. And as it swirls at hundreds of miles an hour, you know, the oceans around Antarctica are the most difficult to navigate because always, it's always stormed down there. Because the air that is rotating swiftly is creating a frenzy in the water. And the currents around Antarctica, plus the swirling of the air above it, creates a barrier between Antarctica and the rest of the world. Antarctica is isolated, the bottom of the earth, and it's colder than any other place by 40 degrees. Now that alone would be significant itself, but something else happens that's very curious that we're just beginning to understand. In Antarctica, there's a bay, a big bay called the Waddle Bay, and it's a significant part of what happens. Antarctica, in a sense, breathes ice. In its summertime, it's the size of the continental United States. It's big, big. In its winter, it grows by ice into the size of the continent of Africa. Continental United States is the size of the Sahara Desert in Africa. It grows from that size into the size of the entire continent of Africa by ice. So why is that significant? It's the neatest thing. It's really neat. When ice forms, it's little teeny-weeny molecules, molecules of ice uh, of water, when they make ice they drop the salt, and it becomes brine. Okay, So millions of tons of ice is released right under the Waddle Bay. And right under that bay, there's a huge canyon that drops two miles down to the bottom of the ocean. And this brine, this heavy, salted, cold water, drops over a waterfall, you could say, or a brine fall, five times bigger than the Niagara Falls. It falls like molasses, very slowly down into the depths of the ocean floor, cold, heavy brine. And then something really amazing happens. This cold, dense water begins to flow out toward the equator. And as it does so, it begins the circular movement of the currents of all of the world's oceans, because it's flowing out from Antarctica toward the warmth of the equator. And as it does that, it rises, it gets warmer, and it brings with it nutrients from the bottom of the ocean. And this is the birth of all the currents all over the globe. And thankfully, these currents make it so the eastern part of the United States is warm. Europe is, without this current that goes up the, I think it's a Gulf, this one in particular is a Gulf current, right? It warms the eastern part of the United States. It warms Europe. It warms the eastern part of China. There's a warm current coming up. This dense water is the base of the global water circulation, keeping all ocean temperatures stable within one degree. This stable web of currents affects the air, and it allows, over time with this stability, complex life to develop. Okay, fire. The inner core of the earth is molten and in constant movement. And we who live on the West Coast are very aware of this because the earth, because it moves like that. You know, we have earthquakes. So when the earthquake recently, uh, last year, I think it was, was it last year, two years ago? Japan had an earthquake, nine point earthquake. An earthquake of nine points is extremely large, like the earthquake uh, the earthquake that hit in uh, San Francisco. Does anybody know that size of the earthquake? I think it was eight, six. Anyway, the way they really? Oh, eighty-nine. I'm talking about oh six, the big one. Yeah, the earthquake was. Which how big was that one? Seven, seven something, right, or something? It goes geometrically. So if it's like six points, it's a hundred. It gets a hundred to eight to seven points, and then a hundred more to eight points. Is that right, David? Is that right? Factor is a hundred. Yeah. So ten, right? So. So the earthquake, the nine-point earthquake that hit Japan was a gigantic earthquake. It moved that section of Japan eight feet toward the United States. <laughs> it was scary. One of the reasons why it was scary, like, the, usually earthquake, it, even if it lasts, usually earthquake, it seems like a long time, but they usually last like 30 seconds. Then there were aftershocks. The one in Japan lasted minutes minutes. Very, very powerful, powerful earthquake. Because there's no stability of, le- of, er- of land on the earth. All of the crust is moving, movement. <coughs> so on the very bottom of the ocean, there are these cracks. These cracks are heated to 750 degrees. They're very hot. And when the cold water, cold water the bottom of the ocean, seeps into these cracks, they melt, they, they, did not, they dissolve, they dissolve rock, it dissolves rock, and minerals are released. Minerals that we all need are released from that cold water hitting the cracks at the bottom of the earth. The currents carry the minerals to the surface where life explodes as phytoplankton. So I'd like you to all turn toward the altar for just a moment. On our altar, we have a picture of a microscopic sea plant called a phytoplankton. This little teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy plant is the bottom of the food chain of all the, all the oceans, and it also provides half the oxygen that we use. Okay? That little teeny weeny itty bitty thing. They multiply really, really fast. So when these nutrients come from the bottom of the water, the top, all these micro photo, phytoplankton eat and then replicate. And they form these blooms that can be seen from space which cover one-fifth of the ocean of the earth. And when they happen, there's a massive feeding frenzy. Because when they bloom, these little teeny-weeny tube worms and shrimp, and then after shrimp, the sardines and the anchovies, and after the sardines and the anchovies, the whatever, and eventually... (laughs) Eventually, human beings are up there with nets catching these tuna from these little guys, these phytoplankton. We are dependent on these little teeny-weeny phytoplankton, we can't even see. It, these blooms last for only 72 hours. Birds also, have you seen these diving birds, they dive into the ocean? Okay. That, that's what's happening, They're, everybody is like eating everybody else for 72 hours, and then it stops. And then what's left of the phytoplankton, which there are billions left, they sink slowly to the bottom of the ocean. The bottom of the ocean is covered with, a—I think it's a mile deep, a half mile deep. It's a layer, a half mile deep of the little teeny-weeny bodies of the phytoplankton. They produce 45 billion tons of food a year. Right? Without them, we don't exist. Next story is the wind. This is wild. So here we have these little phytoplankton dead on the bottom of the ocean. Right? Okay? Now, in the Sahara Desert, there's an ancient, ancient seabed floor. It's a depression. It's called the Bodeli Depression in the Sahara Desert. And it's made of these dead phytoplankton. And it's called Diamite, dialamite.
1: I forgot what the name it is. What's it called? Uh,
0: no, 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 no. It's called um, diatomite. Yeah, exactly what I said. It's called diatomite. Now listen to what's happening. This is just wild. There's wind in the desert always. As a matter of fact, Arabs call the wind. Crazy making—that's the name. The Arabic term for wind is called crazy making, because it's all that blows all the time. So you know, if something did like this to you all the time, you go kooky, right? So wind always in the desert. The wind in the desert whips across the Bodélé Basin depression, and the teeny weeny. Diatomite, now it's called diatomite, but it's really just these dead phytoplankton, turn into dust. Okay? And they rise, because they're teeny weeny, and they, it rises on the wind. And it creates a dust storm 100 stories high. You can know from New York, you know what a hundred stories high looks like, okay? One hundred stories high, two hundred miles wide, rolling across the Sahara. Rolling across the Sahara from the west to the east toward, is the east going toward Brazil? West, rolling west, when it gets to the end of Africa, the wind lifts it up and carries it all the way to the Amazon basin. And these little phytoplankton have all the minerals that they got from the cracks of the earth when all of those minerals came up and they ate them, and when they died, they died in the African Sahara Desert. They're picked up by the wind with all the nutrients, mostly phosphorus at this time. It's carried all the way across on the ocean, and it gets over to the Amazon Basin, which, if you know anything about rainforests, has nothing in the soil. The soil, because there's so many plants, the plants leach everything out of the soil. So here comes all of this nutrient. In the rainforest, the rainforest in Amazon gets about 250 days a year it rains there. And when it rains, all of this phosphorus from the diatomite, which is really the phytoplankton, pours down onto the rainforest in the Amazon, enriching all of those plants. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and then a really another neat thing happens. All of the rain carries all of the nutrition that has not been used plus all this organic matter from the Amazon plants through all of these gigantic tributaries onto this gigantic Amazon River, which is like something like 5,000 miles long, and it pours into the Amazon Delta. All of this nutrients, and guess who's eating up this little nutrients? Our friend, the phytoplankton. And another bloom happens for 72 hours, and everybody is madly eating the phytoplankton. And the phytoplankton, not the air from the plants in the Amazon, the air, the oxygen from the Amazon is returned to the Amazon, but the air. The oxygen that the phytoplankton put into the air, we get. That's how we get our air from the Amazon. Fully one half of the air we breathe. Phytoplankton. The oxygen. Because they're plants, right? They breathe out oxygen, they take in carbon dioxide. Okay. Next story. Okay. Fire lightning. Evidently, and we didn't know this, there are three million, let me get this right, yep, three million strikes of lightning on the Earth every day. Every day. When they're riding up in the ISS, the um, International Space Station, if you've ever seen on YouTube these flybys that they do, They're like sparkling all over the earth. When you look down, there are these sparkling light flashes, lightning flashes, all over, all the time. Three million a day. Lightning is the width of my thumb. And it's five times hotter than the surface of the sun. It's wild. It breaks apart nitrogen into single atoms. And the nitrogen bonds with oxygen to produce nitrate, 13 tons a day, which fall to the ground in rain. Nitrates are um, necessary for life. And sometimes I've told this story before, but when I was in Africa, I had a little garden, and I watered that garden during the dry season. I watered it religiously, morning and night, before I went to school to teach, and when I came home, I watered it with the tap water every day, and it grew like you know, like that, a little bit, not very much. And I was wondering, you know, what's the matter with you? You know, come on, I'm. Let's, you know, have a relationship with you, I'm doing my part, you you know, grow, that's what you're supposed to do. And then one day it rained, and my garden leapt out of the ground. I thought, wow, what happened? What's going on? Nitrites are fertilizer. All of this nutrient is coming down in the rain and fertilizing the earth and the plants. And then we eat the plants. Do you eat your vegetables? Eat the plants. I juice pretty much every morning. And when I juice, it's really interesting, you know, when we eat food, we, th- we think of it as food because it has a name. You know, you call it kale. And when you call it kale, you don't really, I mean, it's kale. You see it's kale there. But you miss, it's not, it, I mean, it's, it's other things too. It's a leaf. We're eating a leaf, you know. We're eating plants. We're plant, we eat plants so we can get these nutrients from the phytoplankton in the form of rain. Lightning also makes fire. It's another thing we know in the West. And the reason fire is so important, and you can really tell in the West, because all the plants that live in any kind of forest, where fire is a natural part of the, fire, not the forest, everything um, is attuned to needing fire in order to live. So, when fire moves through a forest, the, next, the, the first time it moves through, it may, especially if it's really hot, it, too hot is not so good because then it kills the trees. But usually, when, it's, when, we, when human beings haven't played with nature to take away, you know, stop all of the fire, we used to stop all the fires. And when we stop all the fires, then there's too much, um, um, what do you call it? Thank you. Underbrush to feed the fire, and the fire gets too hot, and then it kills the trees. We really made that mistake. But if fire is moved through in a regular way, all that underbrush is cleared away. And life comes back And the next, as soon as, it, as soon as it rains the next spring, new life is coming. New life can use, that's why fire is so great, because it turns around the biomass very quickly. What would take a decade to decompose and regenerate as life, is done very quickly with fire, one year. Okay, I have one more story to tell. So, so the earth is balanced. Life is happening. Everything has been uh, made so over a long time. Complex life Ourselves, a good example, is, was able to be created and to live with certain massive changes. But what can make life can also take life away. It's part of the natural process. So the sun, which gives us all this energy to be used to create life, can also destroy life. Because every time there's a massive solar flare on the sun, billions of radioactive material, right? Radioactive, what's it called? What did you call it the other day? No, but the individual things are um, no. No, 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 no. Charged particles. Charged particles. Thank you, David. Charged particle photons are light. Charged particles are different. Thank you very much charged particles stream at billions of miles an hour. Actually, I made that one up. All the other ones are accurate. (laughs) All the other numbers are accurate. I made that one up. But really fast, these solar winds go really fast. (laughs) So fast that they wipe away everything, atmosphere, oceans, everything. Like Mars. Why didn't they do that to the Earth? Why? No. It can blow away the atmosphere. No. (laughs) Good guess though. (laughs) This is really interesting. This is really interesting. The earth inside molten rotates, the earth rotates and it creates magnetic shield. We are protected by a magnetic shield from the sun's charged particles. But particles get through there's a crack in the shield. The shield cracks, especially from really big corona mass ejections. The first shield is breached. The earth has a second shield, and all of the charged particles are poured down. It's like, you know, here's the earth, and the magnetic shield goes like this on the earth, all of the radiation is poured onto the north and south poles, and you can see it. if you 've ever seen the aurora borealis, these are particles exciting air particles forming light. what you 're seeing is what you're seeing is the universe, you know what I mean? It's, what you're seeing is the sun's charged particles, you're seeing the magnetic protection, the second shield, you're seeing all of these particles forming light that you can see in the teeny-weeny spectrum of light that we can see. I think the nitric, nitrites or nitrogen is green. I've seen green aurora borealis, but there's also red and blue colors
1: in the night sky. It's all
0: connected. It's all very, very fragile. The line between life and death, very thin. Everything influences and is influenced by everything else. Each of us is transmitting energy and receiving energy among each other always i am because we are i am because we are here in this room i am because we are here in brooklyn i am because we are in new york in the united states on the earth. I am because of phytoplankton. I am because of the shield. I am because of
1: fire, wind, and earth, the air. It is what we are. It's all deeply interconnected.
0: I'd like you all to close your eyes for a moment. I would like you to remember a time when you were with the Earth, when you felt yourself
1: with the Earth.
0: If it it could be the feel of the sand on a beach, the smell of fall leaves, the spaciousness of the desert, the sound of dried grass underfoot, the heat of a trail softened by the breeze under a spreading oak, The waves picking up your surfboard. The silence of a valley below. The quiet of winter snow. Remember how it felt to be in nature. And then I'm going to ask you to share your experience
1: living on the earth, connected to the earth, being with the earth.
0: You have your moment. If you have a moment to share, just open your eyes and let's share a little bit. Who would like to share?
1: Yeah. Not clothing optional. Into the water, I take off everything that I have on, it. and I just completely explore the ocean, every on every part of it. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yes. I would love to go hiking, uh my hometown in Southern California. And it's not even about the view, it's more about the sounds. I can uh go with my dogs and so I hear their panting, they're rhythmic panting and the crunch of the gravel under my feet and sage bushes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good listening to nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, very grounding. Grounding, yeah, right. Somebody else? Yeah. Uhm, yeah, it actually took me a while to find one. Uhm, to, to call the time when I was connected. I'm part of, uh, a part of nature. certainly like to I spent some time in rural Ontario Canada. in, in, uh, uh, um, in inwards, um, the woods um some to the the sound so loud. Wow. So wow. wow. And I, uh, I remember having a really uh kind of awareness the share really so, uh to To me that much. I'm, really I'm also bad so it's kind of like a <laughs> yeah. So So, this is actually really special because I broke through, you know, when I do connect to nature. Mm. So, um, my boyfriend and I visited his country, in Argentina, and the state of Cordoba. There's maybe you can help with the name of it, it's that place that had this Segundo... Anyway, there was this area, it's really beautiful in the country, you can smell, it broke through, my my allergies cleared, I could smell eucalyptus and wild rosemary in the air. It's really yeah. beautiful, dry, people go there for their health. And we went to this place, and it's pretty dry, arid country, and There was this kind of depression that went down, and there was you know, this small spring went in there, and everything was purple. Like, the wow. rocks were purple. All of the like you know eucalyptus and all of those kind of plants wow. had this kind of purple sheen to them. Yeah. And there were these aquatic plants, and it drew naturally drew people to this place because it was it was kind of, like spectacular. It was this kind of quiet beauty, and the smell was really great. Hmm like the way it was affecting me, which is it was affecting
0: everyone there, like it was kids and families, everyone was kind of quiet, hmm. yeah.
1: you know, like they were all sharing the same experience. actually mm-hmm. background. Wow. Anybody else? I was camping uh, in Alaska. There's these cabins that have uh, propane heat. It's really just cozy. And uh, my friends had gone ahead because I didn't bring skis or something. And it was really hard to get there because I didn't have skis. I was walking and falling through it every time I stepped. It was really exhausting. And I finally got there and saw the cabin and images of warmth and food and all these great things. And I finally got there. The door was open. And I stepped in and my friend was holding my small chihuahua who she was carrying and she was holding him in her jacket staring out in space. My other friend was like frantically at the wood stove. The propane wasn't working wow. and all the wood was wet because it's a lot of oh, no. They had been there for an hour trying to get this thing to go on and, and they'd been tampering with the wood, propane stove and gave up on that. And it was just very thought, surreal. Wow. Uh, Expectationship of just like happiness to we're going to die. <laughs> we're, we're really far, we're like five wow. miles away from the road you know? wow. and we took, we started taking turns like cuddling up in the sleeping bags together and uh, I think two hours later we got some wood going. just remember this moment of being in a sleeping bag and the, the, the dripping of mm-hmm. the condensation starting to happen like unexpectedly like once we were like okay we're going to hit but then like it was raining inside mm-hmm. because the heat and making everything mm-hmm. melt and uh just being really grateful I actually got a few moments like out my life the nature of like i just should have just
0: Like, okay, we're gonna. Mm. There is that side of nature, you know. There's no judgment. You know, lions eat antelope, right? Anchovies eat phytoplankton. That makes me think of the earthquake. I was in that 1989 earthquake. Yeah it was on bedrock was pretty good, but I just remember getting smiling,
1: shaking, and all the TV and all the things that were falling off and I was just aware of the enormity of this like I'm, maybe I'm going to croak right now and it's funny to think I thoughts like what? like really? Like, this is it? I'm gonna just get a board on my head and that's how i are going to go like I'm still so like what is this? how could this big? it was so like you are going to wipe me out like, Good luck with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know that you brought that up. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot, because um, I did want to say this. you know, humanity is playing with this exquisite balance that's been developed over billions of years. In my opinion, there are just too many people and too much greed. But listen to this. Human beings are producing twice the nitrates as lightning. We're producing more sulfur than all the volcanic activity and more carbon dioxide than all the forests in the world can absorb. The ocean is warming already half a degree. I think I just read it was even more today. Antarctica's ice is collapsing. We are changing the planet. So um, outside on the board and on the table, right where you come in, there are two pages, two pages on the board and two pages on the table. And it's just a list. Of things that we can do. So, what I thought we would do is just each, if each of us just picked one thing that you're not doing already, just pick one of those things and just do it even for a month, you know, just like the month of May, and just see if we can each manage to just do a little teeny weeny bit, you know, uh, support of the earth. So, actually, you know, it's not the support of the earth, it's support of us. Because the Earth, pretty much, except if the magnetic shield keeps its thing happening, (laughs) you know, life is going to keep going on Earth. But if we mess with it this way, it's going to be really hard for human beings. You know, so if you just pick one thing and to help the balance maintain this kind of balance, just do a little bit, not too much, just what you can manage. So we're going to have a little ceremony of celebration of the earth. I think we just do it right now.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You're going to need a little instruction because you're going to chant. I so need some instruction. So, uh, I was thinking as you were talking, Ishwant, um why it is that I feel so deeply... About the earth, I I can't. I, it's hard for me to put in words how it is that I feel
1: about it.
0: So let's appreciate it. You know, we're going to do a ceremony of real appreciation and gratitude. And today, when you go out and, you know, just do a little bit more noticing than you might usually. You know, that if you do see a flower and you appreciate it as pretty, understand the interconnectedness of how it even got there. You know? If you feel the sun, know that we have a real important relationship with it. <laughs> you know? And if you meet another human being, you know, we are the same basic life and we all, because we are here, I am here. It's all totally interconnected. And, and, and Buddhism is trying to help us live that way. Not as separate, you know, individuals getting whatever we can get to secure our own little spot on the earth. If we continue living that way, we're all going to have difficulty. We need to begin living. We need to begin developing an awareness of this deep interconnectedness that we all supports life, our life, in particular, and all life. So that's what Buddhism is trying to help us understand in a very, very deep way, and not just understand. If it only stays up here, it's it's not enough, it won't work. We have to embody, we have to live what we understand. We have to actually be inconvenienced
1: to make a difference. So let's celebrate,
0: have a service and thanks and gratitude for this amazing place we live. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more
1: information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.